Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are going to talk about one of our favorite video game publishers, Activision Blizzard. Favorite primarily because they appear so often on this channel just because they're doing interesting corporate things or as is the case today, they are being pilloried by various members of the journalistic press. And today we're going to cover an article from virtual legality favorite Jason Schreier entitled Blizzard Workers Share Salaries in Revolt Over Wage Disparities. Now there's a couple of things that we're going to talk about in this article, one of which is going to be how this has been reported upon. We've talked about Jason. We're blocked by Jason on Twitter for reasons beyond our ken. And we've talked about him a lot. Uh, and he has the tendency to take good news items, good investigative reporting, and to over-hyperbolize the situation that he is presenting, or otherwise to take his sacrosanct anonymous tips that are about the companies that he's reporting on. The headline here, which Jason may not be responsible for, is another instance of an article that does that. There is no indication in this particular story that there is any kind of revolt. Revolt implying actual concerted action amongst the employees at Blizzard to do something. There is complaining. There is apparently anonymous sourcing to Jason of a particular spreadsheet, which we will talk about. But there is no open or closed revolt, as I can tell reading this story. So it's the overall kind of impression of clickbait that one has grown to expect from various outlets, not limited to Mr. Schreier's output. Going into this story, though, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And some of the things that I'm going to be bringing up are my economics background, my background working at large businesses, large law firms in particular, and advice that I have given to my mentees and colleagues and people that I have worked with on a consistent basis. You're going to see wording in this article and in other places that talks about people being forced to do things, talks about people being exploited, being asked to do things that they don't want to do, to not be able to do other things with the money that they don't have that they would otherwise like to do. And if you can't tell from the thumbnail to this video, one of the things that I do want to impress upon people, because I think it is important for individual self-actualization, in all honesty, is that these companies aren't forcing you to do something. Yes, the response to that is always on my social media or elsewhere. But Rick, I want to work at Blizzard. I want to do X. I just want to get $100,000 more instead of getting whatever it is that I'm being paid. And that would be nice. I would love it. I would love for everybody in the games industry to be making Boku money and to be on an island somewhere sipping Mai Tais and just enjoying the life that they have laid out for themselves. The unfortunate truth is that economics, the dismal science as it's sometimes called, is the study of infinite wants against the reality of limited resources. And so when we look at any of these issues, we have to look at them in the standard kind of discussion of what the supply of something is versus what the demand of that something is. And unfortunately, the labor market is still a market, a market for people's individual efforts, their work, the time they spend helping a company grow, putting out products is still a market for that particular service. And even more unfortunately for video games, which is something that we talk about a lot in this space, the industry itself is a kind of rock star industry, especially when you're talking about triple A game development. For the most part, these folks that are making these games have been playing games for uh, their entire lives. 
and they want to make games because they love them. They have a passion for them. But one of the things that you see in labor markets, and really in all kinds of markets, but labor markets in particular, is that when you have a passion for something or when you think you are getting something to add to your resume or prestige, as one might call it, then you are otherwise willing to take the bucket of compensation that you are getting and lower the cash amount because you're doing something that you love or that you like every day or that you're working for a company that you hold in high esteem or you're putting out a product that you're going to be proud of or maybe long-term that you're getting a line item on your resume that you think you'll be able to co-opt into better pay sometime down the line. All of those are reasonable positions to take, but all of those depress the amount of cash that you can expect to receive because the company knows that that bucket of compensation is being filled up with those things on your behalf. Worse for a rock star industry like video games is that the supply of people that love games is practically infinite coming up behind you. So that if you want to request more wages, if you want to request higher salaries, then the company can in general say, okay, we are very happy with your work. We look forward to seeing what you do in the future, but it's not going to be with us because we can pay the next man up or the next woman up the same amount of money that we're paying you and get a comparable kind of process out of them. That's what we think if we're the company. And so when we talk about these issues, I think it is entirely legitimate to look at a story like this, to look at various stories around the video game industry and say to yourself, I wish they were making more. I wish that more of the executive compensation at a place like Activision or Activision Blizzard were going to more of the line workers. But we always have to keep in mind those couple of things. One, these folks aren't being forced to do this thing. They could work somewhere else. And I know that isn't ideal. I know these people want to work at Blizzard or they want to work in video games. But if you can make double the money working in enterprise software across the street, I honestly have to say that's something that you could should consider. That video games as an industry aren't paying people the same amounts as enterprise software. They aren't paying people the same amounts as virtually any other kind of white collar intellectual property oriented industry in the country or in some respects in the world. You are paying out of your own salary for the right to say that you work in video games. And I think a lot of people either don't recognize that or they want to ignore it. And so you wind up with stories like this. But even here, this particular story, which we are going to dive into as promised, is a little bit illusory, as we will see. So Mr. Schreier starts out by saying, employees at Blizzard Entertainment, a division of Activision Blizzard, began circulating a spreadsheet on Friday to anonymously share salaries and recent pay increases, the latest example of rising tension in the video game industry over wage disparities and executive compensation. So the actual fact is that they started sharing a spreadsheet in which their salaries were compared. Now, one, I think this should be done across all industries. In fact, I think all individuals that are either at an early stage of their career, mid-stage, maybe even a late stage of their career, should be regularly talking with people that they trust about what their various compensation levels are. That's how you establish a market price. That's how you establish your own value for things. Some of the kind of comedy, some of the uh, consistency of not wanting to share these salaries is why we get some of this misinformation and information is necessary to have a well-functioning market. So I have no problem with sharing a spreadsheet around. I don't know that it's an example of rising tension. If that is the case, then everywhere I've ever worked is an example of rising tension. We passed around compensation spreadsheets all, all the time, all over the place. And so I don't know that it's necessarily an example of that. But again, Mr. Schreier has a narrative that he wants to pitch. Blizzard, based in California, makes popular games, including Diablo and World of Warcraft. In 2019, last year, after an internal survey revealed that more than half of Blizzard workers were unhappy with their compensation, 
The company told staff it would perform a study to ensure fair pay according to people familiar with the situation. Blizzard implemented the results of that study last month, which led to an outcry on the company's internal Slack messaging boards. So a couple of things are happening here. So as we talked about at the start of this video, Blizzard has determined what amount it is willing to keep the supply of workers that it thinks are necessary to conduct its operations at the lowest or close to lowest level possible. That's really the job of the corporation. That's the job of the officers is to make sure that people get enough money to feel okay and that's one or two notches north of their leaving to go work someplace else, especially if the executives think that these particular individuals are valuable to the operations of the company. In this particular case, though, Blizzard does appear to have gone a couple of steps too far south of that number where people are happy. You never want to have a survey conducted where more than half, a majority of the people working at your company are dissatisfied with the compensation that they are receiving. It's okay if they're not thrilled. It's okay if they're not singing and skipping down the street with their money, but you don't want them to be dissatisfied. That's a morale issue. That's an issue with the actual operational functioning of your company. So you do a study like this one, you get that study finished, you give out a certain amount of raises, and then the fact that some people are unhappy with what they got isn't actually a news item. Right. If you've ever been a part of any kind of compensation committee, if you've ever been a part of any kind of compensation process, whether at the end of the year or elsewise, you know that some people are happy and some people are not. So what we appear to have here is a sourced story to Bloomberg through Jason Schreier of a couple of folks, and we'll see exactly what that number starts looking like, that are unhappy with what they got out of this survey process because they had already started thinking that it was going to be significantly more than what they wound up getting. One employee then created a spreadsheet and encouraged staff to share their compensation information. The anonymous document reviewed by Bloomberg News contains dozens of purported Blizzard salaries and pay bumps. Most of the raises are below 10%, significantly less than Blizzard employees said they expected following the study. Now, this is part of the story as well, right? And I would have loved Jason to do some investigation on this. Why were expectations that you would receive a salary bump of more than 10%? especially in the year 2020, when every company on earth is dealing with significant economic distress. How did you get in your head that you were going to get more than a 10% bump? Maybe that's Activision Blizzard's fault. We don't know from just this reporting, but if it's not their fault, then what you've got are individuals that thought they were going to get a huge salary bump out of this survey process when that was probably always unrealistic. Just looking at a process like this, I would expect at bare minimum, a cost of living adjustment, probably an inflation raise, somewhere between five and seven would be normal in my experience when going through a process like this. But maybe Activision's management went out there and said, oh yeah, we're looking at this. Could be 10, could be 20, could be 30. So, you know, get ready to spend some money, get excited and sh be sure to keep working on whatever game we're currently working on here at Activision. But I also want to point out how illusory this story is in the first place. The anonymous document contains dozens of purported Blizzard salaries. Dozens. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's 70 or 72 Blizzard salaries that you actually got a chance to look at because chances are if you cleared 100, you'd say hundreds. You clear certain amounts, you'd say a higher number than dozens. How many people actually work at Blizzard? Well, at least as of 2012, and we know that there were some layoffs here, but not to a great extent that would change quantitatively the value of this number, there were more than 4,000 people working at Blizzard. So now we've got a story reported to Bloomberg about people that are upset, that is described as a revolt that contains, quote unquote, dozens of purported Blizzard salaries. Now, I have no doubt 
in my mind that there are dozens of people that are upset at Activision Blizzard, that are upset at Blizzard itself, that are upset at various subsidiaries of Activision. I have no doubt in my mind. Because one of the things we've talked about in this space a lot is that there's really no reason for the video game industry to be located in places like California, perhaps the most expensive place to live in the history of humankind. But if that is in fact the case, it's very easy for a game company that doesn't pay inordinately high salaries for any place in the country to have people that are upset about the salaries they do get paid when they're also forced to live in Los Angeles or in San Diego or wherever in in California. And so you get these stories, but you get them reported here. This was then reported in various other places across video game journalism. And it's based on dozens of complaints from folks that were unhappy to not receive a 10% bump in their salary based on a survey that Blizzard said that they would do and that they would look at what the salaries were. Now, that's exactly what Activision Blizzard spokesperson says. They say, our goal has always been to ensure that we can compensate our employees fairly and competitively. No, competitively. We are constantly reviewing compensation philosophies to better recognize the talent of our highest performers and keep us competitive in the industry, all with the aim of rewarding and investing more in top employees. This year, Blizzard top performers received a salary increase that was 20% more than prior years and more people got promotions. Our overall salary investment is consistent with prior years. So in other words, Blizzard goes and says, look, We are paying you an amount that is competitive with what you would otherwise receive at a different business doing the current job with the current experience level that you have. And to some extent, this should be read as between the lines saying, if you can go find more money and be happier somewhere else, you are more than welcome to go try. And the video game industry in general, especially in California and other very expensive places to live, isn't really paying people enough money to have a very high standard of living. Chances are they're going to have a relatively low standard of living, but that's kind of the choice that you wind up making when you pursue that career. It's not a choice that I would make. Obviously, I didn't make it. I love video games, as you can probably tell here in virtual legality and being a constant drumbeat on this channel. But I looked at the career path in video games. I looked at some of the other career paths that I had available to me, and I said I would rather do a job that maybe isn't as grandiose, isn't as fulfilling in terms of a public kind of setting and what I'm putting out there as a product in the world, but that takes care of my family a little bit more frequently and a little bit more consistently. That was a choice that I made. That's a choice that video game developers made in a different direction. And yeah, I would love to see them make more money. I would. I would love to see the entire industry make more money. I would love to see the companies make more money and have that go to more and more of its employees. But if that isn't happening... That's a function of Blizzard finding employees that are willing to work in their offices and are willing to work for that pay and not otherwise go someplace else. Now, Jason Schreier continues with his narrative. Wage disparity has become a hot button issue in the $150 billion video game industry as calls for unionization grow. Now, we need to stop. We need to take a beat here. One of the things that comes up in this space, and I've had a lot of comments on my DMs, is whether or not I'm in favor of unionization. And one of the things that should be apparent if you're in virtual legality for any length of time is that I'm in favor of people to determine their own fate. And so if that means that a group of people at Blizzard or somewhere else want to form a union and chart their own destiny as a group, as a collective, rather than negotiate their individual contracts, I'm all for it. Now, in my experience working in Metro Detroit, I do think there are reasons to be concerned with unionization of creative endeavors, personal service type contracts where the qualitative difference between Joe and Mary and Bob and Sam can be vast. 
And do you really want to tie your output, your potential for growth, your ability to become lead designer or to really make significant inroads in your company to the rest of the crew? It's not a kind of line worker position where A and B can be interchanged that easily. And so I do think that should all be a part of the discussion. I don't think unionization is a panacea, particularly for art-focused companies. But if those people want to pursue it, absolutely. I'm entirely in favor of individuals pursuing their best guess at what leads to the most happiness for them. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Absolutely. But Jason Schreier views it a little differently. And if you haven't followed him in the past, he views it as incumbent upon video game personnel to unionize, to start a union, and to reap the benefits of that process with little to no cognizance, understanding, or argument about how unions can actually create problems with wage growth, can create problems with actually having people fill the spots that they need to have, and can take companies under in a competitive and flexible market like software development. A pro-labor group recently slammed Activision Blizzard for the pay of Chief Executive Officer Bobby Kotick. His 2019 compensation was worth $40 million at the end of that year, according to data compiled by Bloomberg, and the package has grown since then as the company's stock has soared. Okay, let's stop again. So Bobby Kotick is the captain of the ship. He receives $40 million, but as you can tell, it's not $40 million in cash because the end of the sentence says the package has grown since the company's stock has soared. Now understand what the captain of the ship is getting paid to do. Unlike the people on the line, the people that are making the video games at kind of the lower levels, the captain of the ship is deciding the overall strategic direction of where the ship is to go to avoid all the rapids and rocky shoals and can make massive, massive mistakes in those determinations. But at the end of the day, the choices that a Bobby Kotick makes, the choices that a Bobby Kotick makes for a company that has a $65 billion market capitalization can change $100 million in the blink of an eye. If he wakes up and says, go left instead of go right, the company could gain $200 million or lose $500 million. And when you have that kind of capacity to change the ship of destiny, <laughs> so to speak, destiny not at Activision anymore, completely ironically, but if you change that direction and you make or lose that money, then your compensation should reflect that. Now, I think there are justifiable arguments and discussion points to be had that says that when we're talking about executive compensation, it doesn't properly fully mirror or reflect how that ship has been shifted. But that is one of the reasons why you see stock given to executives at such a high level, that as long as Activision Blizzard keeps growing, as long as it keeps making money, as long as Bobby Kotick keeps moving that ship in the right direction, the company's stock will soar. And at a very realistic level, regardless of what artist one or customer service rep number two does, the company's stock isn't going to change that much. And so when we're talking about this compensation, we have to take that into account. The second thing that we have to take into account when we talk about executive compensation is that the labor market, the one we talked about when we were talking about video game employees, is also something that is reflective of CEO or high-level executive officer employees, which is another way to say you aren't just competing with the other employees of Blizzard. You compare the $40 million to whatever the customer service rep makes. It looks ridiculous. I understand that. I understand where people are coming from when they have that conversation point. 
But at the end of the day, Bobby Gotick can go and he can run a software company of a different stripe. He could run a whole bunch of different app companies of a different stripe. There are a lot of Fortune 500 and other companies that would be happy to pay him, especially in stock, a huge amount of money for him to run their particular operations. So when you are Activision Blizzard, when you are approving these executive compensation packages, you are competing with the possibility, just like every other employee, but in a different labor pool, of Bobby Kotick deciding that he could make more money, potentially for even less work, going someplace else. And so when you see these numbers, that's reflective of two things. One, the market, the labor pool, and two, the actual ability to change the fate of the company. That if Bobby Kotick decides that Activision is only going to make lacrosse sports titles, then Activision will, and it'll lose a lot of money, and then Bobby Kotick will be fired. And so... If he wants to keep his job, he has to keep maneuvering that that ship in the proper direction. And I think you could make an argument that Activision and Activision Blizzard aren't moving in great directions, but maybe $40 million could have been more. Maybe the stock could have been increased even more than what it already was. And so when we talk about these things, it's very easy to let jealousy and envy and all the normal kind of human emotions take a look at this and say, how could one person be worth that? But when you put chief executive responsibility in the hands of an individual of a company of this size, they really are. $40 million out of $65 billion, frankly, isn't that much for the changes that Activision has gone through. And if he makes more money because the stock goes up, well, then everybody's incentives are aligned. That's exactly when you want to see somebody like Bobby Kotick paid properly. Last year, the company also paid $15 million in stock awards and sign-on bonus to Chief Financial Officer Dennis Durkin, and in the anonymous spreadsheet, one employee listed the CEO's annual salary bonus and stock award. As a matter of fact, way back in the day, virtual legality number 14, we talked about that particular CFO compensation package. And you can go check out that video. I apologize for all of the stuff about how it's built. This was very early on in the life of virtual legality, but please do check it out where we talk about a lot of these things, particularly the market value of a chief financial officer that can help your company. And that with Activision facing certain lawsuits from shareholders, certain issues with losing Bungie and Destiny at the point in time that they did, they really needed somebody to write the ship. They needed somebody to stabilize that shareholder value and they primarily paid them in stock. And when you get paid in stock, your incentives are aligned. And if the company becomes more valuable, then you make money. And if it doesn't, you don't. So it all makes sense, but it doesn't mean the numbers are entirely right. You get all sorts of folks that argue that this person is paid too much or that person is paid too much. You get activist shareholders that say this number is wrong. I can't come in here and sit and tell you that $40 million is right and $15 million is right. What I can tell you is that some order of magnitude higher than the customer service representative is appropriate for what is actually happening in corporate governance and the market for those individuals to make the proper decisions to help your company survive. Finally, we've got a couple more comments here that talk about what these folks weren't allowed to do, right? They say they got more responsibilities when Blizzard Activision fired a bunch of people, and that very well might be the case. I'm not sure if that lines up entirely with what happened. Activision Blizzard mostly got rid of some of its esports infrastructure, not its direct game development. That's kind of elided in this article. But whenever there are cuts, whenever there are layoffs, there's certainly a period of transition where whatever was in process has to be taken on by more hands. And yeah, you might not have gotten paid for it. 
And we wind up at the same place that we were talking about at the top of this video, which is the same advice that I gave to young lawyers working at large law firms is that if you don't feel you are getting compensated properly, if you are asked to do three, four, 500 hours of overtime and you're not getting a bonus commensurate with that overtime, lawyers are salaried professionals for the most part, then by God, yes, go and talk to the compensation committee, complain, voice your concerns. Don't be surprised if you aren't looked at very fondly for that conversation, but nobody is going to fight your battle for you. Nobody is going to have your back on that. You have to go fight for what you think the value proposition to yourself is. You have to go and be willing to look at relocation, to look at other jobs. That's the leverage you have as labor. And I've had this conversation with so many young associates. I've had this conversation with so many colleagues at every step of my career journey, at every company that I've ever been at, because I've always been the squeaky wheel. I've always been the one that walked into the comp committee at my law firm and said, look, I think I made the firm this much money. You're keeping too much of it. I want this percentage of what you gained from my work. And they said, we don't do it that way. And I said, well, then you should. And I'm going to look around elsewhere. That's what I did. And yeah, that's not easy. That's not fun. And you have to be willing to walk away from the table as it were. But you really do have to be willing to walk away from the table. And certainly leaking things to Jason Schreier at Bloomberg isn't ultimately going to help your cause that much. Finally, we get to the kind of end paragraph here. And it's one of those things that I think really reflects what we've already talked about. In 2018 messages on internal Blizzard communication channels reviewed by Bloomberg, employees talked about money-saving measures they've taken to remain with the company. One employee wrote that they had to skip meals to pay rent and that they used the company's free coffee as an appetite suppressant. That's fascinating, actually. And certainly in California, it's the kind of thing that could absolutely happen. You might wind up having rent, especially with housing costs in California, that is a significant portion of a low-level salary at a place like Blizzard. But again, understand Blizzard says, well, you decided to agree to work for us for that amount. You decided to enter into that lease arrangement for that rent. Presumably, we're not talking about a decrease in pay. We're talking about someone that didn't do the math properly or that was so invested in having Blizzard on their resume or working on Diablo or whatever it might be that they themselves decided voluntarily to work for that number. I'm not saying it's fair. I know there are going to be folks in the comments that say, that's unfair, Rick. People should be able to work and be have the livelihood they want, but it's just not the case. You have to go and evaluate the market. You have to go and evaluate the supply of labor in that market and whether or not you can live the life you want to live with the numbers that are in front of you on something like a salary or a paycheck or a lease. Another said that they would only eat oatmeal and bail on team lunches because they couldn't afford to buy food at the company cafeteria. Hey, you know, we're at different levels here, but certainly early on in my legal career, I had a similar kind of concept. I would skip closing dinners and things where there was large amounts of money in play or there was a large amounts of money being spent on alcohol and whatnot. And you make these determinations for yourself. I was trying to gain money. I was trying to save money for a deposit on a house because I was going to get married a couple of years after I started my legal career. And yeah, everybody makes these choices. It doesn't mean that the salary that you got is one that you consider fair. If you don't consider it fair, go argue for what you think is fair. Go look at potential other possibilities for what you think is fair. And then the last one I just found really funny. A third said that they and their partner stopped talking about having kids because they knew they wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah, 
That's a normal set of conversations for people that have jobs. That's a normal set of conversations for when you are early on in your career. We're not going to have kids for a little while because we're not settled. My wife and I had these conversations all the time, which is we're not going to do this while we're still in law school or while we're still in grad school. We're not going to do this in the first couple of years of when I was a lawyer. We are not going to do X or Y or Z. That's not actually indicative of any problem with the salary as much as it's indicative of you not necessarily being in a place in your career to do everything that you want to do at the moment that you want to do it. That contrasted with pictures, as this article says, they saw of more senior Blizzard employees enjoying vacations to Disneyland with their families. They wanted a family. Good for them. I love my family. I think it's a great thing to have. But you look at that last sentence and you see the issue. It's writ large. That was contracted with pictures they saw of more senior Blizzard employees, what we might call the folks that put in the time. And no, I don't think life is fair. I don't think economics is inherently fair. I don't think that person X necessarily deserves more than person Y, but you can only be the one that determines your value because we can talk about supply and demand curves. We can talk about economics and labor market values and executive compensation. But at the end of the day, Right now, in the United States, you have the choice of signing on the dotted line with the number that the company puts in front of you or asking for more. Or if you're unhappy with the increases that you get in your compensation, to look elsewhere. And yes, that might mean looking elsewhere outside of the video game industry. All of the rock star industries, whether it's movies or television or video games or anything else you might think is very popular or famous, have this issue which is that there are so many people that want to join those ranks, that want to have the t-shirt, that want to put it on their resume, that the companies know that they can offer less cash than the very boring accounting software development company down the street that might pay you six figures because it is so boring. Or as my boss used to say about lawyers, we get paid so much because nobody, nobody wants to do the crap that we do. Hey, I did a lot of due diligence. I did a lot of crap in my career before ultimately leaving a very high paying job as an equity partner to go start my own firm because I was unhappy with the workload. I was unhappy with the status. I was unhappy with the life that I had. So yes, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's fair. It doesn't necessarily mean that Blizzard isn't trying to squeeze its people too much. Certainly a salary survey of the type that we saw in 2019 suggests that they are. But at the end of the day, you got to fight for yourself. And video game salaries are not distinct from the labor market. And unfortunately, there's a large, large supply of people that are willing to work for the amount of money that Blizzard is offering. This has been Virtual Legality for today. I know it's been a lot of fun. We weren't talking about any console war topics today. So presumably, even though we're talking about something very serious, the comments will be a lot more genteel and, well, and well-meaning. Every single console war video we do in this space is very anger-inducing in the comments. A lot of people angry at me and at Hoglaw in general. I don't mind that. I love to have those conversations. But if you are interested in those conversations, please do check out this space. Like, subscribe, share, ring bells, do all the good stuff because we do talk about this kind of thing, the business and law of the industries that you love so much, those rock star industries that you probably wouldn't get paid a lot to actually participate in. We talk about those in this space. And if you like that conversation, then we love to have you here and subscribing to us. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. 
Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.